Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adopt podcast. And today I've got uh, Jennifer with us, Jennifer Rose Asher. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, delighted, delighted, absolutely delighted. Always a pleasure to talk to somebody passionate about adoption. So, you, uh, what comes to your mind, your mind, when you hear this phrase, thriving adoptees? Well, I have two children who were adopted, and so that's what origin, what initially comes to my mind when I hear that word is I think of my kids because I think that they are thriving. They're um, eighteen and twenty one, and they're both happy and healthy and and doing great and on their way to great careers and um and that's what comes to mind when i hear that yeah phrase. yeah uh, that's great i love that i love that um i got told yesterday i was talking to an adoptive mum yesterday who uh, has been on the podcast and i've also done some speaking work with her she works for a um she works with an organization that supports adoptive parents uh, and she said um Simon and, and I thought she was going to give me a criticism but essentially she said you're a little bit different to most adoptees and you seem to be you know you come on all ba- bouncy and bright um and I and I thought oh oh I thought oh dear am I am I am I kind of like too much right and I, but I thought how, how could that be you know how could that be uh, and people say yeah you seem very positive about adoption Simon uh, and I and I say yes I am and then I'm, I'm kind of waiting for a question and most of them won't ask a question, but I kind of just jump in. And, and, and I say, well, the reason I'm positive about it is because um, we are not our trauma. No person, is, no person is the trauma that they've been through or even the trauma that they're feeling right now or, or that they're, uh, the tra- traumatic thoughts going right through their head. So um, we, I, I believe that we should be really there's lots of people talk about being trauma informed um and i agree with that um but i think the world has become kind of trauma obsessed and so i think my my philosophy really is trauma informed and hope obsessed um and and i guess also if we think somebody's ahead of us on the journey uh not to be, for me, some, for, 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 for me, for, if somebody's ahead of me on, on the journey, I want to learn from them rather than um, get pissed off that, sorry, I don't usually swear on them. Yeah. Sorry, get cheesed off, um, then get cheesed off about the fact that they're uh, 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 ahead of me. Um, but uh, we seem to live in a kind of like a, trauma kind of like a trauma obsessed world to me and I don't think that does anybody any good really it doesn't and as soon as you said that um I don't know why this popped into my head and I don't want to sound pretentious but what came into my mind is the goal is for us to all be trauma transcendent and to move past that trauma and use it for good okay um so a normal I love the word trauma transcendent um, or phrase. And uh, the, a, a normal podcast host would normally say, okay, so how do we do that? And it's all this kind of, I don't know if you've listened, if you listen to many podcasts, there's a couple that I stop listening to because the guy keeps on just saying, well, how? Yeah. We'll just say how. And, and I'm just thinking, well, that, that, that's really reductionist. That like the, the, oh yeah so you're going to reduce it to three steps are you Simon Simon okay there's, so there's five there's five ways to uh, to to transcend trauma it, it doesn't look like that it doesn't it isn't uh, it it isn't something that is so um, well it's not cut and dry Sorry? it's not cut and dry but I think. That you could ask how, and I think the answer to how, although it's a little bit reductionist, the answer is a little bit vague because it it differs for everyone. And I think the answer to how is to be open to understanding the trauma, do your best to kind of live through the emotions and experience the emotions, 
and then examine where those are coming from, where those emotions are coming from, understand where they're coming from and ask how that can be useful to you. How can I use the understanding of this trauma and how it affected me and use that to help me? Okay. Um, an example of that, you know, to, to kind of distill it down and use an example. If, if, if you are, if someone were to be in a, in a shooting situation and then they would hear trauma whenever they heard loud noises, um, um, or not trauma, but, but to be, you know, um, very upset, very triggered when they hear loud noises. Okay. To, the first thing is to understand why do I hate loud noises so much? Oh, it reminds me of that time when I was in that shooting. And then to take that and use it and say, okay, loud noises scare me. It's good to know that. Number one, I can prepare for that. If I'm going somewhere where I know that there's going to be loud noises, I can bring earplugs and be prepared for it. And I can also prepare myself for it mentally and say, look, I'm going to this concert. It's going to be really loud. There's going to be loud noises, but remind yourself and understand this is a good thing. This is a concert. It's, it's music. It's something that's bringing people happiness. So loud noises don't always have to be bad. And to try to allow your mind to understand and connect that positive experience with those loud noises to kind of dampen that effect from the loud noises. Okay. And it's a really simplistic example, but, and nothing's ever quite that easy, but it's just the idea of it. And let's figure out a way to have a positive experience to, to pair with those non, um, <clears throat> you know, loud noises in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad. So it shouldn't be that, <clears throat> excuse me, a loud noise necessarily brings about, about a bad, a negative reaction. So allowing that to have a positive reaction and allowing yourself to feel a positive reaction in a, in a response to that loud noise can kind of diminish that effect. Okay. So far, so rational. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm a rational being. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so I'll go with this, right? I, I, I'll go with this. Um, uh, because my own kind of, my own experience has been a little less rational, shall we say. <laughs> So um, well, and it's never quite so rational when you're living in it, and when you're upset by it, and when it's something that really affects you in a strong way. Yeah. When it when it's something that you know you know I mean I say this like it's so, like you said so rational. Well, if I was in a mass shooting or something, it wouldn't be oh I'm sorry loud noises affect me you know but it's and it and it takes time and it and it's just it's a process. It's not quite so simple, but that example is just a simplified example yeah. okay so um how does that simplified example how how does that look for you in in the um the adoption experience rather than the gunfire setting well the for i i'm not an adoptee i'm an adoptive parent yes yeah, um but for my kids number one i try to always be there the biggest thing is to be there and talk through the experience. So if one of my kids were coming to me and saying, this situation is really upsetting me, I might say to them, okay, well, let's try and distill down. Why is this situation really upsetting you? Um, let's look at it. What about it is really upsetting you? And again, to kind of take a typical um adoption scenario and I this hasn't necessarily happened with my own kids but to take a typical feeling from adoption would be feelings of abandonment and feeling and and not being able to trust that someone is going to be able to come back um so if you had a young child who was adopted who knew they were adopted and had feelings of abandonment if they came to you and said mommy it makes me so sad every time you come to work you could to to kind of go through that and say I understand it makes you sad it makes me sad too um, when I go to work, but let's talk about why does that make you sad? And are you worried that I'm not going to come back? And they might say, you know, again, especially if it's a very young child, yes, I'm worried you, you might not come back. And you can say, okay, well, let's look at your experience with me. 
Do I come home every single day from work? Um, even when I go to work, do I come back every day? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's look at that. Let's talk about not how sad it is when I leave, but let's talk about what are we going to do fun when I come back from work and what let's make a plan each day. What are we going to do? Even if it's a simple thing, like I'm going to give you the biggest hug of the whole day when I come back from work or we're going to, you know, we're going to bake cookies after dinner, um, whatever it is that day, even if it's just a big hug and a kiss, whatever, um, that we're going to attach with, oh, mommy, go to work so that you can hurry up and come home so I can have my great big hug or so that we can make, make um, cookies. So again, kind of a simplified example, but it's all about being open to understanding the feelings that you're feeling, not negating those feelings saying, yeah, I understand. Yeah. It's a sad thing. Let's figure out a way to make that happy. Let's figure out a way that we can live through that sadness and go past it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now I'm getting it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, I always say that um, I'm better with examples than um, theory. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm now, I'm getting, now going. I'm going to now figure forward on. You know, like if I'm talking to somebody else, I'm, I'm, and I'm always better with uh, a an example that's kind of closer, closer to the heart of the issue that we're looking at. So that's uh, that's great, Jen. Um, so you you said that you, you that hadn't happened to you. That particular experience hadn't happened to you. Um, so what are, what are some of the insights from the experiences that you've been through as a, an opt, a, 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 you know, a, a, a mom and an adoptive mom, um, that have, uh, really helped you see how you can help your, your kids? What, um, the things that I've actually been through with my kids, um, and it's mostly my daughter, my son doesn't really talk about it nearly so much. So it's much easier to find fresh, real, true examples from my daughter. Um, and she, you know, she's a girl, she talks more, she's more kind of in touch with what's going on in her head. But when she was little, she used to worry about her birth mother. And she used to come to me and say, I'm, I'm worried um, about my birth mom and she would use her name, which I don't want to use. Um, but, um, she would say, I'm worried about my birth mom. And I'd say, okay, well, what are you worried about? And she'd say, well, she heard that, you know, and she knew that her birth mom was from Vietnam. And she said, she heard that there were some bad things going on in Vietnam. And I was like, first of all, she's not in Vietnam anymore. She, she, she was born in Vietnam. So you don't need to worry about that. Um, and then she would say, well, I'm worried she doesn't have enough money. And I'd say, well, you know what, honey, there's not really anything that we can do about that. Hopefully if she doesn't have enough money, she will be smart enough to figure out a way to get money. Um, and she's really got a problem. We know her sister, you know, who would be Hillary's biological aunt. We know her. If you'd like, we can call her and say, Hey, do you know how Hillary's birth mom is doing? Um, her aunt is kind of a safe place. Um, Hillary's birth mom, not that we don't ever talk to her, but it's a little bit more of an emotionally charged relationship. Whereas her aunt is just a a very nice, calm, wonderful lady who we love talking to. So especially when she was little, I would say, okay, well, let's, let's look into that. You know, I understand, I understand your worry and not negating and saying, oh, you don't need to worry about that. Um, because that wouldn't help her to live through that and get past it. Um, so it was really important for me to acknowledge, yeah, I understand you're worried. Let's figure out how we, we can know what it is that you're worried about. And let's see if we can make you feel more comfortable with that, with those concerns. Um, and that really did happen. And we did call her, her aunt, her biological aunt, and she said, no, she's doing well. She just got married. They had a baby. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, first thing, listeners, is that I have heard uh, what uh, what Jen said about um, uh, girls talking more about this stuff than boys. I have heard that that is the case um, uh, as, a, as a mass uh, generalization. And 
as somebody that grew up with a little sister, um, so there's three years between your kids. There was two, two. There's sorry, there's three years between your kids. There's two years between me and my my sister. My sister will be, yeah. Well, I'll be fifty six next time, and she'll be yeah, she'll be fifty four next time. So, um, it, it and from what I remember growing up, she didn't mention it a lot. But she mentioned it more to me than I, and I probably never mentioned it to, to her. So, if you've got a, if you've got a, a a boy who's not mentioning stuff, then that might be just part of this uh, gender stereotype playing out, right, uh, listeners? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it may be, or or you know, it may not. You know, who, who knows? Um, what sort of uh, age was this happening at, at Jen? Oh goodness! I think that conversation when she was about six, right? Okay. About six. So, um, it seems to me is um, you've 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 got some kind of wisdom going for you, um, which allows you to essentially de-escalate. Is that is that the word? You're de-escalating the problem. You you're just you're just slowing everything. You're kind of slowing everything down to to help her. Well, I think the biggest her. thing. I think the biggest thing is. Um, well, there's a couple of things. First of all, open communication is so important, and I've always encouraged my kids to talk to me about anything like this that they're worried about, that they're upset about, that they're sad about. Let's talk about it, and and let's figure out how we can make you feel, get through those feelings, and 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 feeling a little bit better. Um, but it's also really important to validate those feelings and say, it's okay. It's okay to be sad about that. It's okay to be sad about that. You don't get to talk to your birth mom more often, or that she's not a bigger part of your life. If you're sad about that or that you're worried about her. So it's really important to validate those feelings and say, it's okay to feel that way. And, and, and let's experience that together and and let's sit and talk about that and let's figure out a way that you can experience that, but then move past it. Yeah. So it's just, it's really, it's really important to let kids feel how they want to feel. Um, and, but to then a little bit dissect it and say, let's look at what's really making you feel that way and see if maybe you don't need to be so sad about that. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, people say this open communication thing all, all the time. Um, it so seems important. to me that it, it seems to me that, that you that that's what you did. You know, like like they um, you didn't just say you, you can talk to me about this stuff. They actually listened to you and did feel that they could do. You know, because I'm sure every mum and dad, whether they're uh, adoptive <laughs> mum and dad or you know they're raising kids that they gave birth to, you know, uh, their own biological kids, if you like, um, uh, I, I, they they say that all the time. Like, you know, I, I'm sure my mum still says that to me all the time, but I don't always do it, right? You know, <laughs> there's a difference. And I, I don't either. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh. but when there's something like the the adoption that that you know may cause problems throughout their life, that, you know, you just know this is a way in which they're a little bit different from other kids, it was always important to me for them to, for that to just, not be stigmatized, not be seen as something bad, just a part of who they were, and to really open those lines of communication. Um, and and I did that by writing each of them a book of their story, and I would read it with them when they were little. Um, I wrote it. I wrote each of them before they were a year old, and we would sit and read their story when we did story time before they went to bed at night. That was just always one of the books that was an option. Not that we read it every night, but probably once a week or a couple times a month, we would pull out their adoption story. And it just made it a topic that was okay to talk about because we would read their story. So it wasn't anything hidden away. It was a book that was always on their shelf that we could read anytime. And it wasn't a secret and it wasn't a problem and it wasn't um, a bad thing. It was a wonderful, beautiful little book about how happy we were that they were a part of our family. Yeah. Uh, interesting, the, the book that my mum and dad um, had 
have bought to explain adoption to me that sat on that that sat on my bookshelf uh, all the way through. I don't know where it is now. Um, you know, obviously I'm 56 next time, um, but I and I don't I don't actually remember reading it. But I must have been read it, and I I'm pretty sure I was read it before I could actually take in what was happening, and and it really normalizes it. Like mm-hmm. I, I I often say this on the to on, on the podcast is that nobody likes shocks, nobody likes nasty surprises or surprises that come in that so nasty. So the the earlier like telling them before, so I think. Do, do I mean what? What? What does the? It's a long time ago. Obviously, if your kids are eighteen or twenty-one, I mean, do, do people get trained? Do parents get trained or told to tell their kids? Wait to tell their kids before they can actually understand um, conceptually. You know, so not, not to understand to actually write. Do they get told to 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 wait until kids to get uh, uh, um, can understand it? before they tell them I don't know if I was told that I somehow knew that I know that I had a friend who had an adopted sister when I was when I was very young when I was in like second grade I had this friend and she had a sister who was adopted and I don't think the sister found out until much later and I think it was really upsetting and you know we've all seen there was a friends episode about this about the a little boy who was told when he was like eight years old and how upset he was so I think I just kind of assimilated that in my own head and said, well, if they never don't know, if they always know that they're adopted, then it can never be a, a bad, it can never be something to find out. And, and I think that's just the way it should be. Um, uh, you know, so I, I think I just knew that. Now, that's one of the things that I try to educate parents on whenever I have the opportunity is to let them know, please tell your kids, the best time to tell your kids that they're adopted is today um, because if they're born already, um, because it doesn't matter how young they are. Um, you know, again, I wrote these books for my kids when they were a year old I, or less than a year old. And I read them to them long before they had any understanding whatsoever of what, what this meant or what was going on. So it just was never a bad thing. It was never something to find out. It was just, oh, this other woman gave birth to me. We, we, you know, our family found, you know, we came together and that's how you joined our family. Um, you know, I mean, no kid, honestly, no kid when they're born grows up knowing, well, I grew in my mom's tummy. That's something that needs to be explained to them too. Um, yeah, of course. Because so many people, you know, most people in the world grew in their mom's tummy. Um, you know, they find out eventually kind of naturally when they're very young and it's never a big deal. And I wanted adoption to be the same way. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, were there any occasions when you felt that um, stuff was being bottled up that you weren't sharing? Um, there's things with my son um, that I think he he's always had a lot of anxiety um, in his life. You know, he just he he's one of those kids that he worries about stuff. He worries about making the wrong decision. I I tell a cute story about when he was about six. Um, we went to Baskin Robbins, which is an ice cream shop around here. It's known for, called 31 Flavors. So they're known for having a lot of flavors. And we went and my other two kids picked their ice cream and Jamie was sitting on the floor crying. And I was like, what's wrong? He's like, I just don't know which one to pick. And <laughs> um, so he's always been that kind of worrier um, and worrying about making the right decision. And he has a hard time with decisions. I do the best that I can. I I say to him, you know, when he's struggling with something, I say, could this have anything to do with being adopted? Do you have any interest in talking to your birth mom? Do you want to talk about that? I'd like for you to think about if this could possibly be related. I don't want to force it, you know, and he usually says, no, no. But hopefully by asking the question, I'm putting the idea in his head so that if that is having an effect on him, if that might be something that's even a contributing factor to a problem that he's having currently, that is something that he considers and that he thinks about. Yeah. Yeah. I would have never, yeah. Well, you know, like I'm, I'm 
me and my missus haven't got any kids, so yeah, I, this is this this is off. Uh, yeah, this is off my um, what do they call it? This isn't my wheelhouse, you know, this sort of yeah. stuff. Um, well, and I've tried, you know, you and I have talked about that, um, you know, this this whole situation of these um, adoptees who have had some really upsetting feelings um, towards their adoption later in life um, and and uh, sadness about being adoption about being adopted when they're much older um, has really come into my consciousness in the last year. So particularly in the last year, I've tried even more to make sure that I ask that question if there's a problem. Um, again, I don't want to force it down his throat. I don't want to say everything is due to his adoption because it's not. Everyone has all kinds of traumas that have happened through their life. But because this has been brought to my attention, I always try to ask the question. And even if, you know, being an 18 year old boy, his answer is going to be, no, mom, why do you always ask that? Yeah. Um, I figure, okay, if there's even a slight possibility that this could be having an effect on him, um, better to bring it to his attention because it's something that, you know, because I've always normalized it, I hope that if this is having um, some effect on what's going on with him now or at that time, that he can look at that and say, oh, maybe this is making these feelings stronger for me. And to, to kind of take that responsibility away from himself that, okay, this isn't just me. This isn't me being oversensitive. There's a reason maybe why this upsets me so much and, and it's okay. Yeah. Um, could I, I, I had a, a, some thoughts uh, mm -hmm. based on, on this, uh, on this sort of subject, just that happened to me yesterday, right? Um, okay. And so it's quite fresh for me, as in like, it's not a, like a fully formed idea in my head. Um, okay. uh, but I just wanted to, uh, it, well, I wanted to ask you if you're up for exploring. Sure, of course. I'm exploring this, right? And and it may seem a bit esoteric. So I, I so I'm just, um, I, I mean, I, as I say, I'm exploring it. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure where I'm going. Okay. But I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, sure enough of my logic to be able to okay. go out on a limb and just say it, but it's just explain, right? So I was listening to something from a guy, uh, by a, a guy on an audio book yesterday morning when I was uh, walking the dock, like I do every day. And it, it wasn't anything to do with adoption, but it was to do with, it was to, to do with feelings, that was for sure, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so he he made a statement, did this guy, um, and I, I really respect this guy and, and, and value what he has to say in the book. If anybody wants to know who I'm talking about, it's a guy called Rupert Spira, a British guy called Rupert Spira. Rupert, R-U-P-E-R-T, Spira, S-P-I-R, sorry, S-P-I-R-A, right? And what I what I did was I literally I transposed something that he said into an adoption context and that was relevant to me. So here's here's what I came up with. If adoption had made me unhappy, I'd always have been unhappy. Oh, what a what a great thought! Yeah. Mm. So. Um, was yeah. his initial? What was his original quote? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went straight to applying his kind of theory and his con. You know, a bit like you. You gave me that. You gave me that example. Then I asked you for the example right to adoption. I, I I can't remember what. I I can't remember his example because I went straight to. I went to straight to the insight for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So what? Why? Why did that? Like I thought it was a little bit esoteric and a little bit philosophical, right? But you you thought there was something in it. So what did you see in in that? Well. I guess it, it, it's like anything else. If adoption of just is just a part of who you are, if if having been raised by a mother who was not the woman who gave birth to you was causing some problem. So so say there's there's some problem you're having, you know, just to be kitschy about it, like 
your tennis game stinks. You you can't hit the ball. And you can say, well, maybe it's because I was adopted. And you could say, well, but I could hit the ball last week. And I was adopted then too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so if that was okay. the problem, if that was the problem, then this, then in when you were in the same situation and having the same, the same kind of, of issue before, then that would be the problem. Yeah. But obviously there's something different that's causing you not be to be able to hit the ball today. Then you have to, you have to isolate what's different that's causing the problem okay. rather than what has always been. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. And that is exactly, that's kind of exactly where I, I, I went, actually. That's where I was going. You've expressed what I was thinking in a completely different way, which is brilliant, but it's the same thing. It's, it's, we you know, we're coming from, we're, we, we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're on the same, we're on the same lines. Um, well, and, and, and that said, if the, the, the corollary of that may also be true, if you say, well, I've always hated this. I've always hated tennis. Um, I, I've never liked it or I've never liked a certain food. You may at that point say, well, I wonder for myself if this is something that's been consistent throughout my life that I've always had an aversion to or that has always upset me. Well, maybe that's a good time to say, okay, well, could this be because I, I somehow am, am um, associating that with having about being raised by a biological mother or the loss of my biological mother. So if it's a new feeling, if it's something that's new to you, then maybe that's not, then that wouldn't be something because you were adopted. But if it's something that's been a consistent issue through your whole life, then maybe it could be. Yeah. So the, 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 the thought that popped into my head uh, as you were explaining the, um, the, the tennis one, um, and you, you, I love the way you, you describe it as kitschy. Um, you were talking, you were also talking earlier on about um, um, the discussion we had last time when, when we chatted last time about um, uh, about what what uh, the, the bad experiences that some adoptees have, uh, and 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 what I actually see on uh, Facebook groups is them. Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of the posts are as far fetched as the tennis game. <laughs> I so, agree with you. <laughs> so, uh, the, uh, and the my kitschy example is, you know, I stubbed my toe on the bedhead this morning. It's because I'm adopted, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, and um, and I'm feeling really bad about it. Uh, and uh, and and then what they say is how they sign off the 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 message on the facebook group um does anybody else feel this way too right and then yeah. everybody jumps in and validates it everybody jumps in and validates it so we've got this echo chamber going on in our heads that thinks x is the problem of y and then uh, and then everybody tells us x is a problem of y and it and it, it, it snowballs. The 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 problem grows because we think, oh yes, this is the truth. Um, uh, and so you know, you talked about uh, validating kids' emotions, but also, I don't think you, you use the word questioning, but you know, subtly repositioning it or tweaking it slightly, asking them questions, seeing if there's a different way. And 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 that is an art. That 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 must be an art. Um, that that you know when you validate, um, and 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 when you gently question or coach. And it is a when, as in so right in the middle of the, right in the middle of the 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 meltdown, you might do nothing at all, but you might validate later and then question after you know. And and each and your wisdom. Uh, your wisdom as an adoptive parent is going to guide you when when to do that um, when to when to validate when to question and uh, when to co coach you about to change well and i think the correct word for that would be to examine and evaluate okay. so um again you know if you if you look at tennis you, you can you can evaluate that and say well was i good at tennis last week well if you've never been good at tennis you might say well 
maybe this was because I was adopted. Maybe, you know, I've never been good. I could never hit this darn ball. Um, well, maybe it's because my birth parents were not very athletically inclined and neither am I. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, you know, again, I, I do think, and, and particularly, I think it is valid to examine certain situations, either if, if a situation is a pattern, is consistent, well, I've always had an issue with this, or this is something that I've always been overly sensitive about. But the other situation that is important to evaluate is if this is a brand new situation. Oh my gosh, I've never gone to college before and I've got, I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety about it and I'm really, really nervous about going away from home. Well, if this is a new situation, then I think it's perfectly valid to look at, well, could my feelings of abandonment or my missing my birth mom, um, missing that connection to family, be intensifying my feelings and my concern about going to live away to live at college. Yeah. So um, that's one of the ways that you can begin to evaluate, could this be a factor or not? Um, is this a new experience? Is this something, if it's not a new experience, have I had the same reaction in the past? Yeah. So going back to this idea then, um, if adoption had made me unhappy, I'd always been unhappy. So um, we, we're both saying that, that there's, there's something there. To, to me, and I guess I'm asking you permission to explore this again, really. It seems to be like a missing link. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm drawing a little... I was, as you were chatting, I was drawing a little, um, uh, well, I was writing some words down on the page, right? So on the left-hand side, I've got past event, okay? And and and, in, and for this case, we're talking about the past event as, as adoption. And um, uh, on the right-hand side of the page, I've got um, feeling, or, or maybe experience, and, and, I've, and I've put the word current on top. So I've got past event mm -hmm. and current feeling, and, and, and they're on the left and right, and, and they're on the left and the right hand side of the page. And then I put a question mark in the middle of the page. So I've got past event, question mark, current feeling, and it mm -hmm. seems to me there's there is a kind of a a, a, a missing link here between be, because the the past event the adoption you know if i'd always if adoption had made me unhappy i'd always been unhappy i i would have you know my 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 feelings um have varied over time so a a, a historic event fixed event cannot be cannot uh determine a varied experience no. now, am i being too wacko here <laughs> um no and i think you know i so to validate for adoptees who say okay having been adopted has always had an effect on their life i think that's definitely possibly true so Sadness is something that's kind of hard to qualify and and quantify and evaluate. But for example, if you're someone who's always been had a hard time being happy at events, then you know there is some validity to okay, well maybe um, having been adopted has has created this this barrier to to being able to feel happy. Um, I think in general, something that may be more likely possible would be like being more sensitive. Like um, someone who is adopted, you know, can can go back to, well, um, having been adopted has always made me more sensitive to these things or has always made me more withdrawn. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. And especially if you're aware of it, um, I, I think it's always better to be aware. If it's something that you don't want to be aware of, that you don't want to deal with, 
that's okay. But I think you should even be aware that you don't want to deal with it. Yeah. There are certain things that are, are issues for me that are problems for me that I'm aware of, but I'm making a conscious decision. You know what? I'm aware of this. I know it's a problem. I understand what I have to do to fix it. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to deal with it. But it's really important for me to know that it's there. And when I'm ready to deal with it, I will deal with it. Um, so it's not necessarily something that everyone's going to be ready to deal with, but at the same time, if you are, and just that awareness of, oh, I have social anxiety. I don't really like being in big crowds. I think maybe, you know, whether it's from being adopted or not, knowing that is a good thing. It helps you plan your life. And, and if, if you have a night when you've got three different options of, of places that you've been invited, you can, you can know, well, you know what? I don't always remember it. But I'm not, in general, I'm not very comfortable in big crowds. Maybe I want to go to the event that's a little bit more, yeah. uh, you know, a smaller group. Have you heard of something called, I think it's Occam's Razor. Have you heard of that? I have. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not, it's not something I've studied recently. So um, you'll have to refresh. Yeah, yeah. I, I've only heard <laughs> it in passing. And all I've heard is that, you know, it, the simplest um the, the, the simplest explanation is is the one that's true. I think that's how it sums up. I, um, for me, I, I think that the, um, the, the missing link between, uh, the, or the missing link that de determines how we feel in any moment is, is uh, what, I, there's a guy called David Hawkins, um, uh, who's not no longer with us anymore? It was it was nothing to do with adoption, but he was a psychotherapist kind of a guy. He was also quite a religious guy, um, and he created a, a scale of human consciousness, scale of human consciousness, and it goes from it's got all the different emotions on it basically. And shame is it goes from naught to a thousand, mm. and uh, shame is twenty. Yeah, zero is dead, and, and shame is twenty. So, uh, you know, and it goes up the way through sort of like anger, pride, um, happiness, unconditional love. And it goes right up to the top, like to um, the great religious uh, yeah. avatars, Jesus, Buddha, uh, Krishna, people like that. It goes from north to a thousand. And to me, um, that's what's, that is, our place on that scale is the reason for, um, oh, sorry, just Solomon. I'm just going to have to pause the recording a minute. Just on. Sorry about that, listeners. That was my wife at the back door because I'd locked her out of the front door. Oh, no. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. I'd left my key in the lock. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, this uh, scale of human consciousness, uh, Jen was just asking who wrote it. It's a guy called David Hawkins. David Hawkins. Um, and to me, that's, you know, like, a, a, a past a, a past event cannot for me cause a current experience what is actually happening is we're going up this scale of scale of consciousness and why we're we doing that well that's that that's that's an unanswerable one for right. for for me it, it, i have i have my my knowledge that we're at the edge of my knowledge uh, the, my, the edge of my knowledge on the subject but that's kind of my take on it um, so talking about knowledge and self-knowledge what what would you say that you'd learned about yourself and you continue to learn about yourself um, raising raising your kids now they're 18 and 21 well the biggest thing I've learned is that uh, I make a lot of mistakes <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> um, and, and really what I try to remind myself constantly is I can only move forward and I can't move backward. Um, in fact, I had this discussion with my son only in the past, it was sometime in the past week, in the past few days. And he said, well, you're unfixable. You've always done this. And I've said, well, I can't change what's happened in the past, but if you don't tell me what the problem is, I can't change it moving forward. So I, yes, I'm, I'm pretty rigid. I'm pretty uh, set in my ways, but I try really hard 
when I know that there's something that's upsetting my kids or that I find out that I'm doing wrong or that I could have done better to try to change it moving forward. Yeah, beautiful. And I'm, I also want to ask you just a last thing. I'm, I'm doing, a, um, uh, I'm doing a, a presentation to some adoptive parents. Um, I'm planning one at the moment. And um, the title that I came up with was um, Navigating Stormy Adoptions. Yeah. Um, so, what what would you uh, what would be your central thread or or, or 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 message that I should take on board to help me shape that uh, shape shape that um, uh, discussion uh, um, workshop? I I think I think you know, kind of what we've been talking about. Number one, um, allowing the feelings to happen, being aware of what's going on and acknowledging um, whatever your child is feeling and validating that it's okay to feel that way. And then evaluating where is this coming from? What is causing you to feel this way? What is causing you to make these kinds of decisions? Um, I, to me, that's, that's how, that's the best way to handle any, any type of situation like that. What's causing this? Let's, let's look back to the root, the root issue. And then the second thing is to, uh, separate yourself from the issue that whether this might be you know, again, we all make mistakes in parenting. I mean, this goes back to your last question. We all make mistakes. We do the best we can. We do the best that we can with the knowledge that we have in the situation that we're in. And no matter what's going on right now, we can't go back. It's not necessarily useful to go back and say, oh, this is because we didn't discuss this when you were young. It's okay to recognize it and to say, you know what? We never discussed this when you were younger but let's talk about it now. And maybe we should have talked about it when you were younger. That That's okay, but don't ever blame yourself as a parent for that because we do the best for our kids that we can. Yeah. And really, um, while raising adoptive kids versus biological kids, 95% of it is exactly the same. The only difference is allowing yourself the awareness to acknowledge that this could in some way um, be an effect of that separation, of that trauma, of that differentness and not taking it personally, not taking that as a shortcoming as a parent. It just, it just is. It's like, if your child was in a trauma when they were young, if they were in a mass shooting event when they were young, being aware that that could be caught the root of some, some issues moving forward and acknowledging that and recognizing it and moving forward from it, but not taking personal responsibility for it because everyone's going to have some trauma in their lives. And this is one that we, you know, we can't control. What's important about it is to acknowledge it and move forward from it and try and use it yeah. for positive instead of negative. What what have you learned about you yourself? Because we people talk a lot about you know um, modeling what they want to see in their kids. So what what have you learned about allowing your own feelings so that you can model and encourage your kids to do the same? Well, I've learned, um, and, and I really, you know, having, having kids the age that I do, I've learned a lot of this lately because they're, they're really quick to tell me my flaws. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've learned um, to try to regulate my anger, to not yell as much, and take a step back. If I'm really upset or angry or feeling very heightened emotion, 
to not project that and rather give myself time and space to experience those feelings for myself and then move forward to address the situation without that anger as much as possible to, you know, you, you can still be unhappy that something happened and try and fix it moving forward, but to try to take the space to experience the anger on my own rather than bring that into the discussion. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. And um, you've written a book. So tell tell the listeners about your book, please. Um, my book is called Journey to My Daughter. And it is a crazy story of how we happen to cross paths with my daughter and, and become a family. Um, it I went through a lot um, in a very short time through our adoption story. And it was a crazy, crazy story. So I originally wrote the story for my daughter because I wanted her to know what happened. And then I was encouraged by different adoptive families when I would tell them little bits of my story and how we were so meant to be and we were so meant to find each other. And I had to go through all these trials and tribulations to get to the right child. Um, I was encouraged to write all of this down to help other families to know that everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. So I wrote this story, it reads like a novel. It's, it's much more a story than a nonfiction book. It reads like a novel. It's super fun to read. But my readers tell me that even though it's a super fun book to read and, and a great story, that it's really helped them to believe, to, to calm down, believe everything will happen as it should, and to be more aware of what's going on and let things happen as they're supposed to. Brilliant. So, uh, as always, listeners, um, in the show notes on the podcast, there are links to the uh, every guest's um, website and their social channels. And if they've got a book, then we link to that as well. So, thank you very much, Jen. It's been uh, it's been a beautiful conversation, and uh, I've, learned, I've learned a lot. It's really helped me because I, <laughs> I I go far I go far from for a, for a far more esoteric approach um so i i love their logic and i think that the there's a there's some probably balance in the in, in in the middle because a lot of this is some like the the way you come up with stuff i'm sure is magical and intuitive <laughs> and, and and wisdom in the moment and and that's kind of like that's what's fueling um, and, and that combined with the, the the logic and the evaluation and the, and the calming down and the what did you say the validation and the um, validation exploration what was the words what evaluation right okay yeah so um, uh, that's that's been great I've really enjoyed uh, learning learning about that uh, perhaps more um, step by step approach because and yeah I love it thank you very and much one more, one more thing for you is okay. that uh i want to let you know for your morning walk um my my audiobook is going to be published next week okay right so we're recording this on the 27th of october so uh -huh. um this will probably go out after it's uh after, yeah. after it's live and that's great i, I love audio me too me too that's why i had to do it because i only listen to books on audio and it'll be on audible worldwide uh starting next week Brilliant. Thanks a lot, listeners, and thank you, Jen. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you.